to the book of Ephesians, and we're going to be in Ephesians chapter number 5. In just a minute, we'll look together at an important verse of Scripture out of this passage. Ephesians chapter number 5. Pastor mentioned about the resource table in the back, and I'm glad he took time to do that. He said, I'm sure Brother Tim will, and I looked at my son Seth, who's seated on the second row, and I said, I mouthed the words, if I remember, because I'm terrible at this. I almost always forget. Hey, we have stuff back there that's meant to be a help to you. The reason why we bring the books that we bring and the music that we bring is honestly because we, we want it to be a help. And I tell folks this often. Pastor already mentioned if there's something back there that would be a help and financially you can't, you can't get it, then we, I, I will say we'll do everything we can to get it in your hands. So make sure to let us know. Pastor mentioned the same thing. Um, this, the book table for us is not supplemental income. That is... We don't carry it because it's like, oh, if you guys don't buy something, our kids aren't going to eat next week. That's not the way this works. We bring things that have been a help to our family or that we're convinced of and offer them to you. And so if there's something back there that you have questions about, feel free to ask. The music back there are all CDs um, that we have made. Um, Brittany has a couple of piano CDs back there. And then there's a uh, singing CD from 150 years ago before Britt and I had kids singing with us. And then we have one more recent that has uh, the older boys, Seth and Samuel, um, singing on it as well. But uh, this is fun, and he's not in here, so I can make fun of him. On the CD, when we made the CD, because it was all of a sudden six years ago, babe, is that about right? Five, six years ago? Okay, so Seth's voice hadn't changed yet. And so now if you talk to him, like, hey, how you doing? But then it was, hey, how you doing? So all of his songs. So now in our family, we listen to it. We listen to the CD for the pure entertainment of being able to turn around and go, Seth, you're so cute. <laughs> Things like that. So if you listen to the CD and come back um, tomorrow and say, oh, Seth, that was so precious. He loves that. He, he really does. He loves it. So, <laughs> so feel free. Uh, now, if you, if, you don't, if you don't listen to music, don't get a CD. But if you do, then I would encourage you. I think, now, of course, I'm biased, but we... Um, we took the time to have these professionally recorded, not professional voices, only professionally recorded, and I think they're enjoyable to listen to. Of course, I mean, I get it's my kiddos singing, so I'm going to, of course, enjoy it. But the songs are fun to listen to. Children oftentimes enjoy, especially the one that has the boys on it, because there's several songs that are fast-paced and, and fun to listen to and fun to sing along with. So if you enjoy that kind of thing. Now, if you don't have a CD player, um, there's two sides to this. If you don't have a CD player because you're in the digital age, then there are also, you, you can go on to iTunes and, and get several of the CDs. If you don't have a CD player um, because of the prior age, then we do have um, tapes and records and eight tracks under the table. No, I'm just kidding. We don't. <laughs> we don't really. But I thought it might speak to some of you that, uh, <laughs> that the CDs haven't come in. Uh, they don't even put CD players in vehicles anymore. It's very disappointing. And so we, we have, by necessity, gone more digital. And so that's available. If you want to find out how to find that online, feel free to ask, and we'll be glad to help you. The books that are back there, um, again, just you can peruse them. Samuel's usually standing at the book table. He is there. He can help you with the um, cost of the materials, not so much what's in the materials. 
the book that Samuel knows has mostly pictures in it, so he can tell you about that <laughs> that one. But I'm just kidding. But, um, but the other one's back there. If you have questions about the subject matter, then feel free to ask. And I mean that sincerely. We wanted to be a help to you. So I hope you had a good day. I'm looking forward to the time we have together now in the scriptures. I, the passage we're about to look at is a great passage. The truth is a, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use a, an important sounding word, and I'm using it on purpose. I trust, um, I don't purposefully ever um, overstate things, seriously. But this is a dynamic truth, a dynamic passage. And what's taught here is absolutely foundational foundational, and I'm glad you're here tonight to hear it, not because I'm the one speaking it, but because God says it, and more, more importantly, when he says it, he means it. This is, this is great. So Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to look at verse number 8, Ephesians 5, 8, and Ephesians 5, 8 is a summary verse. This is a verse that encapsulates everything that the Apostle Paul, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has been teaching through this letter that he writes to the church at Ephesus. Which, if you're unfamiliar, if, if you haven't read the New Testament much, if you've not read the Bible much, the book of Ephesians is a great book to become very familiar with because you get an overview of the Christian life and a lot of great truth and great doctrine in it. And so this is, this is one of those passages that I love, and especially this verse, because it's almost as if he says, okay, quick time out, pause, let me summarize. And I like those kind of verses. Look at verse number eight, if you would, please. If you're physically able, would you mind standing, please, to show our public respect for the Scriptures as I read verse eight of Ephesians 5. The Bible says, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Would you mind reading the verse with me? I'm going to give the reference, and then let's read it together. You ready? Ephesians 5, 8. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Let's do it one more time. Ephesians 5.8. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Father, we want to understand your word. We want to not only meet up with your word, but we want to meet up with you. Brother, would you please work in us tonight? Would you allow the light to turn on to this passage and the truth that you intended for us to get from this? Thank you for inspiring Paul to write it. Thank you for preserving it. And thank you for the, the truth of this, how you reveal your love, your power, and your intention for us through this and help us to get it tonight. Um, please help my speech to be clear. Help me to say in a succinct way the things that need to be said. If there are things I'm planning on saying but they wouldn't help, then allow those things to drop from my mind or just help me to know not to say them. And then if there are some specific things that need to be said for somebody that's here that I'm not aware of, then would you please put it on my mind, help me to know confidently that it's from you, and give me the courage to say everything you want me to. I ask all of this, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you very much for standing. Please be seated. So 
In Ephesians 5 eight, the verse naturally divides itself into two parts. For you were sometimes darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. And then the Bible says, walk as children of light. Now, as we, as we look at this tonight, I'm, I'm going to um, assume that um, you are rested up from yesterday enough that I can do a little bit of, a little bit of teaching at the beginning, um, and you'll stay with me the entire time. And I'll ask questions along and along. And remember, if you don't answer out loud... Then I start all the way at the beginning, and we come all the way through. So stick, stick with me all the way through. All right? Two words I want to mention to you and teach you. You may already be familiar with these, and if you are, great. If not, then for all of us, it's good for us to be reminded of it. Two words. Um, the words sound similar, mean something a little bit different. First word is the word justification or justify. Justification. Um, help me tonight. What, what does the word justification mean? Do you know a definition of it? Justification. And feel free to answer out loud. Just as if I'd never sinned. Okay. Just as if I'd never sinned. Any, any of you ever heard that before? The just as if I'd never sinned? Okay. And I, I think that's close to accurate. It's actually more of a description than a definition, but it is. it, it does make sense when you think through it. What else? Rectify. Okay. Rectify, yes. What else? Okay, made right. Okay, so this is, it's, it's interesting just to kind of think through it because the word justified is something that you do read in scriptures, but oftentimes um, preachers will mention this because it's a good word with a great definition, but if you don't understand it, then it's kind of one of those things that, ah, you miss, you miss out on something super important. So I asked this, I asked people one time in a church where I was about what does justification mean, and in a nine, 10, 11-year-old boy raised his hand and said, it's why I say I'm right. Like, it's why I say I'm right. And then I went, oh, oh, an 11-year-old boy, of course. Um, that is, he's upstairs playing with his sibling, and the sibling starts to cry, and so mom comes in, and she says, what's wrong? And the 11-year-old boy immediately begins to tell mom, well, I kicked him, but, but he did to me, or it was an accident, or, and he is telling the mom why, why I'm okay, why I'm, why I'm right, why what I did was okay in this case. And oftentimes we talk about, well, we justify ourselves. The word justify or justification means to be declared righteous, or justify is to declare righteous, but we'll stick with justification, to be declared righteous. Now, biblically, when the Bible talks about justification, and when we refer to it, we're talking about to be declared righteous in the eyes of God. This is in reference to what takes place when a person trusts the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. We looked at this a little bit on Sunday morning about what happens when a person accepts Jesus Christ as Savior. In the moment that they trust Christ as Savior, the Bible says that the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross is the payment that God accepts to wash away their sins. So in a sense, they are given the blood of Christ to wash away their sins. However, at the same time, God gives to that person who accepts Christ as Savior the righteousness of Jesus Christ. 
so that in that moment of trusting Christ as Savior, I am declared by God to be righteous. It's something that is done and done. It's what we oftentimes refer to as positional. And all that means is, though my life may still, I still may make mistakes and still may in my flesh sin, yet because of the righteousness of Christ, I am now in a position where Christ's righteousness covers me. Now, here's the thing about justification. Justification happens the moment a person receives the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, and it is done. You are passed from death unto life. You have been forgiven of your sins by the blood of Christ. The righteousness of Christ is granted to you, or rather, you're placed into the righteousness of Christ, and it is done. So that if I were to stand before God, I know that I'm going to be able to spend forever with him. Not because of the righteousness of my hands, but because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ himself. Thank God for justification. That God declares me to be righteous. It is an act of God. It's done at the moment of salvation. And it's done. Justification. Second word. Sounds similar, means something different. The second word is the word sanctification. Justification, to be declared righteous. Sanctification. Now the word sanctification means to be set apart. Biblically, sanctification is a little bit different, is, is different than justification. Now there's a sense... There's a sense in which when you are justified, declared by God to be righteous, in that moment, you're also set apart. You're sanctified. But biblically, sanctification is talking about a process where over time, now please stay with me. This is where it's important that you stay with me, even though it's a little bit teachy for a Monday night, all right? Where over time, I begin to live out what I am as a justified person. Okay, time out. What am I as a justified person? I am declared to be? So I am righteous as a justified person. And, class, whose righteousness is it that I have as a justified person? It's the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So sanctification, then, is this process where over time I begin to live out what I am as a justified person, which is righteous, um, and not only just righteous, but Christ's righteousness, that is, sanctification is me becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. Huh. Okay. Still with me? Justification and sanctification are different. Justification is an act of God. When a person trusts Christ, God declares them to be righteous. It happens in a moment. It's done and done. Sanctification is that process where I become more and more like what I am as a justified person, which is righteous, namely like the Lord Jesus Christ. So they're different. It's not, you don't become more and more like Jesus Christ, and then God says, okay, you've done enough. 
I'll go ahead and declare you to be righteous. You don't work your way into righteousness and then God declares it to be so. No, it's two different things. It's an act of God to be justified. However, and hear me carefully, please, you can't separate justification and sanctification. The whole intent of God in justifying us is that we will be sanctified. That we will become more and more like Jesus Christ. Now it gets completed on the day when this robe of flesh I drop and rise to meet my Savior in the skies where there is no battle, no more battle with sin because my flesh, the one remaining part of me that is going to die, that's experiencing death, is gone and I'm given a new body and now I will be completely sanctified. It will, it will be a time, it, it, will be, it will be finished, done and done for all eternity. But sometimes, in an attempt to make certain that everybody knows that you don't get sanctified in order to be justified, sometimes I think what people hear is, hey, all that really matters is justification. And if sanctification happens, great. If it doesn't, well, at least they're justified. And you can't argue that scripturally. Meaning, the Bible doesn't ever, ever say, all that matters is this. That would be nice, but it doesn't matter. Because it ruins the intent of what God did in justification. His purpose was to Give us this new life. And yes, it's the act of God, but his whole intent is then that we are going to be able to be like Christ. Okay, now stop, 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 stop. Um, in case anybody is still with me and still thinking, I don't, I don't want you, here's what I don't want you to hear. I don't want you to hear justification, glory. <laughs> this is great. God does it. It's done and done. Hallelujah. <sighs> I've been declared by God to be righteous. That is great. Wow, that's wonderful. What a great God we serve. Sanctification, be like, be like Christ. Oh, oh no. Oh, what a weight on my shoulders to be like, oh, to be like Jesus Christ. Oh, how can I ever? Okay, stop and just think through this logically for a little bit. Hey, would you like to be like Jesus Christ? How many of you are married? May I see your hands, please? How many of you would like it? Ma'am, how many of you like if your husband were just like Jesus Christ? <laughs> Some of you raised your hand emphatically. We'll, we'll deal with that on Thursday. I'm just, no, I'm just... <laughs> how, 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 many, how many wives... Yeah, okay, how many husbands would like their wife to be like Jesus Christ? Yeah. Hey, wouldn't it be great if your pastor were just like Jesus Christ? <laughs> Can I have a witness? <laughs> Pastor, wouldn't it be great if you had some people that were just like Jesus Christ? The, the point is, is while it is absolutely true that God justifies us and that there's this process of sanctification, and it is a process, 
It is a process. It is time. That is, we're becoming more and more like Jesus Christ, and that's the intent of God. It's not a weight that's put on you. It's more like a, uh, hey, look at what you get to be like. Won't, won't this be great? This is not a truth. The justification, sanctification is not a truth that is meant to be one of guilt or uh, heaviness. This is a passage and a truth of victory in Jesus. This is a glorious, a glorious truth that God saves you and declares you to be righteous in his intent. In fact, you ready for this? It has been predestined by God that those who have been justified will be sanctified. That's what God's design is. Now, the reason why I took the time to go through that when those two words aren't even in the passage is just because I felt like you needed to... No, that's not the reason why. It's because that while the words are not in the passage, the truths are. And that's what I want you to see from, from this verse, and then I want to show you the rubber meets the road, why it matters, okay? So look at Ephesians 5.8. I, I, in fact, here's, I'm, I'm going to make sure you're paying attention, class. I'm going to read part of the verse, and then I'm going to stop, and I want you to tell me if the part of the verse that I read is talking about justification or sanctification, because both truths are in this passage, okay? So verse 8 says this, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Okay, is that justification or sanctification? Okay, you were darkness, now you're light. That is darkness. There was a time when you were a part of the things that were against God, who is described in 1 John as light. Um, there was a time you were in the dark. You didn't, you didn't get it. Maybe you didn't understand how bad sin is or what sin brings. You didn't realize that your sin was an affront to God. Uh, you didn't understand about Christ or you didn't understand about Christ's work on the cross, or that what he did was for you, or that you needed to receive him. There was something you didn't understand, but now, if you've trusted Christ as Savior, now you're light in the Lord. You've been justified. You've been forgiven because of the blood of Christ. You've been given the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You're justified. You were darkness. Now you're light in the Lord. Okay, then the Bible says, last part of verse number eight, walk as children of light. Justification or sanctification? There's only one left, people. Get it right. So sanctification, walk as children of light. Walk. Um, make your choices. Live your life. Your life is made up of the choices that you make. Where you end up is because of the path you take, the steps you take. So your, your life and your choices determine where you end up. So here he says, walk like, live like what you are. Okay, help me. What are you? And justified means that you are declared to be. And whose righteousness is it? It's Jesus Christ. So live like what you are, a justified, righteous person. Live, live, that, live that out. Okay. Now, I told you at the beginning that Ephesians 5.8 is a summarizing verse where the Apostle Paul just kind of stops. And th this is what he's been teaching on in this letter. He has explained justification, and he has explained sanctification. In fact, real quickly, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Anybody, can, can you quote it without looking at it? For by 
Okay, real quickly, let's stop there. Is that justification or sanctification? Justification. For by grace are you saved through faith. That's what happens. You've been rescued. You've been justified. So that's Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. And then you get into Ephesians 3 and Ephesians 4. And the Apostle Paul seamlessly goes from, you've been saved by grace. And then he starts to explain now, off of that platform, off of that diving board, then you're going to walk this path. And here's what it's going to do. Here's what justification is supposed to look like in your life and the choices you make. And that would be sanctification. This process where over time you begin to live out what you are as a justified person, which is righteous. That is namely like the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. So here's, here's what I love is that the God inspired Paul. God gave to us not only the truths of you've been justified, you were darkness, now you're light, and walk as children of light, but he, he in, instructs as well as uh, enlightens. He shows to us how this process works. That is, how... I become more and more like Jesus Christ. Because while it is the predetermined will of God that those who have been justified become more and more like Jesus Christ, it's not as if it's just going to happen in this life because we still have flesh and we're tempted by the world and the devil. And so God gives to us how this process works. Well, somebody says, but if God has already decided this is what needs to happen and this is what's going to happen, then does it really matter that I even know about it? Oh, yes, yes, it does. Because you have responsibility in this, which is instructive. So in Ephesians 4, verses 22, 23, and 24, Paul explains how this process works. I, I, want, I want you to see it because it's important. And I will go ahead and admit to you at the beginning of this, when we're looking at this, that as I speak this, as, as I begin to explain it, there's going to be most of this you're going to hear and you're going to go, yeah, yes. I mean, we, we know this already. Seriously, we came out on Monday night for this. We, we know this already. Okay, but there's a part of this that at least for me, for much of my Christian life as a justified person, I didn't get, I didn't understand, and it was a great hindrance to my becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. And then when the light turned on, it was, oh, I want to show it to you. Look at verses 22, 23, 24 of Ephesians 4. It would be helpful if I got there. Here we go. Verse 22, the Bible says this. Well, you know what, let me just, just to make, just so that you.
know that I'm not taking this out of context. Look at verse number 20. But ye have not so learned Christ, Paul says. This is, you're not supposed to live unrighteously because you haven't learned, that's not what Christ did. If so be that you have heard Christ and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, and then he's talking about this process of sanctification, he says that ye put off concerning the form of conversation. The old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Verse 23, second truth, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, Next truth, verse 24, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Okay, and then the rest of the passage basically gives examples of how this process looks, practically speaking. But I want you to see the process, and please, 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 um, you, you want this. this <laughs> we need this. So, so stick with me to the very end. Now, the process is pretty simple, pretty straightforward. In fact, each step each part of this process, there's three of them. Verse 22 shows one, verse 23, verse 24, can be summarized in two words that are straight out of the verse. Verse 22 says that he put off concerning the former conversation. Okay, help me. When the Bible says conversation, what does that mean? Manner of living, lifestyle. So it's not talking about conversation like how we talk. So put off put away, concerning the former, the old darkness, the old lifestyle, that old man, which is corrupt, it's rotten, it's spoiled, it's been in the refrigerator for three weeks and only a dad would eat it. So it's put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, there's a lot that could be said there, I don't have time, and then, so put off, and then secondly, the Bible says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. We'll come back to that in a second. I want you to see the third one. The third one is verse 24, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Okay, new man. Who's that? Who's it after? Yeah. Which is created in righteousness. Who's righteousness? Christ. True holiness. Who's the holy one? Christ. So this, this is what this is all about. So that you put off concerning the former conversation, be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on. Okay, now for much of my Christian life, here's what I thought, and maybe some of you think this now, and if you do, I get it, because most people do. It's the most natural way to think about it, but please, please catch it. For most of my Christian life, my thought, because I was raised in a Christian home, my thought was, when I trusted Christ, I knew, I know that the things I used to do, I'm not supposed to do them anymore. I know that I'm not supposed to do stuff that's wrong, and I'm supposed to do things that are right. So I thought in my mind, okay, Thompson, that's what I call myself in private, Thompson, stop doing what's wrong and start doing what's right. If losing your temper is wrong, stop. And if having a sweet spirit is right, do it. If lying is wrong, stop it. If telling the truth is right, do it. Problem. It's unsustainable. Now, I could, go, I could go to camp as a young person and hear an evangelist get up or a preacher get up and hammer away at the importance of, of being kind to your siblings. 
And he would talk about the sinfulness of being mean and speaking mean and every idle word that men shall speak, they'll give an account thereof in the day of judgment. And he would go on about that and you ought to use words that are kind and nice. And I would think to myself, man, I've been mean to my brothers. They deserve it. But I've been mean to my brothers. That's not, that's not right. I need, to start, I need to start doing right. And after camp, for six and a half hours, I was really good. But it was unsustainable. And I can make jokes about with siblings, but there are some things that somebody in here might be facing that you, you know it's darkness and you may even know what is right. And sometimes when you feel good, then you can, you make yourself make the right choice. You discipline yourself to do what you know is right and you're glad when you do it. But there's some, there's some times when she says something or they do something or they cut me off. And I'm thinking to myself, that's not like Christ. So is this something that God says, this is what's supposed to happen, and I'm going, well, maybe in glory. In other words, is it a matter of, hey, you just, hey, 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 you've been saved. Just understand, you're going to keep failing for the rest of your life. You're going to fail and fail and fail and fail. But don't worry, don't worry, someday glory is coming, but you're going to fail and fail and fail. That is not the message of Scripture. Not that we will never fail, only that failure is the expectation. It's not. And that's because I did not understand verse 23. In verse 23, the Bible says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Okay, real quickly, the word renewed. Help me, give me some synonyms real quickly, would you? Refreshed, I like it, yeah. Made new. What else? Renewed. When you hear renewed. Restored. Nobody's used my favorite word yet. Revived people. Come on. What a, seriously. Okay. So renewed, restored. I, actually, my, my favorite word is renovated. If you, look at, if you look it up, it's what I did. I looked it up and renovated was one of the words. I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Where, where the old is taken out and the new is put in. So be renewed. The Bible says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, which means not only in what you think, but in the way, in the way that you think. Okay, so um, I have a grammar question for you, okay? You ready? When the Bible says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, um, is that active or passive? Active means I do it. Passive means it's done to me. Hear, hear the verse again. The Bible says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Is that active or passive? <laughs> Division in the church. Wonderful. Um, <laughs> I'm here to help, Pastor. <laughs> How many of you vote active? How many vote passive? How many refuse to vote just in case it's a trick question? <laughs> <laughs> just so you know, pastors almost never vote on this. <laughs> like, I'm not raising my hand in front of the people, just in case. No, I'm just... Okay. Grammatically, and it matters. Grammatically, it's passive. Yeah. Okay. So, um, 
the reason why many of you said it was active is because I led you on a little bit by saying, and be renewed, and I stuck out my finger like that, and it made it sound active. But grammatically, it's literally saying, and be ye being renewed. And if you think about it, it's not something you can do for yourself anyway. That is, you can't renew, you can't renovate the way that you think. That's not, some, that's not something that happens just by your deciding. Not about anything. How many of you choose um, steak over broccoli? Okay. How many of you choose bro- broccoli over steak? <laughs> There's always a few, and they make me nervous. <laughs> now, if I were to say to you, hey, Change the way you think. Change your wanter right now. You start liking steak, or you steak lovers, you start liking broccoli. Well, you say, if I ate it long enough, maybe I would be able, no, not broccoli. No, I couldn't. <laughs> the point is, it's not something you can, you can do, and we're talking about spiritually. No, it's deeper than a taste bud. Okay, but here's, here's the great thing about us. Please, please catch this. This is, this is the whole, uh, this is the, the engine. This is the power behind this sanctification of becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. And all of this that I'm about to tell you is important. So if your brain is wandering, bring it back in right now. This is God saying that he will actually renovate not just what we think, but the way we think. Not just what I can make myself choose, but what I want to choose. Wouldn't it be great to want to choose what Christ would want to choose? I don't mean to have the intestinal fortitude or the backbone or the discipline to make yourself choose what Christ would choose, but to want it. Did you know that's what God is doing in all those who are led in? Now, point one and point three, step one and step three is your responsibility that ye put off concerning the former conversation. That is, it's not like I can just feed, keep feeding my flesh and doing what's wrong and then all the time going, God, why aren't, you, why aren't you making me want what the Lord Jesus wants? No, no, no. It's my responsibility to put off concerning the former conversation and it's my responsibility to put on the new man. That is, to begin to choose. But as I am putting off And as I am putting on in the midst of this, the promise of God, please hear this, to all who will accept by faith that he will keep his word, he will work the renovation inside of you. And the great thing about this is, okay, all right, hang on. Remember, it's a process, so it's not like tonight you get to go to God and say, God, please change me into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ, and all of a sudden, every desire that you have ever had towards wrong is gone. No, you still have flesh. But this process is continued, and when I allow and invite 
Holy Spirit of God, who, by the way, is the person of the Godhead who's given to us to live in us and do this renovation. And he takes the word of God as we are putting off and putting on. We're reading in the Holy Spirit of God, using the word of God, begins to renovate and to change the very desires of our hearts. Ah, that I can begin to want the things that Christ wants. And God continues to reveal to us and to show us areas where we're following after the flesh or where our hearts still have a bent this way. But I don't, the glory of this is I no longer have to say, well, I'm just going to make myself do what's right. No, no. When I have a temptation towards a wrong action or attitude, I can say, no, I'm not going to do that. Spirit of God, please renovate me. Please conform me to the image of Christ. Please change my heart about this as I choose to do what's right. And God uses that to cause us to become more and more like Jesus Christ. Listen, please, not just in action, but in heart. Now, quickly, oh, it's 8.04. Quickly, two, two verses. Look at verse 25, because this is where the rubber meets the road, just, just so you can see how it works. Uh, let me get there. Verse 25. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Okay, so according to this, in this put off, be renewed, put on, what is it we're supposed to put off in verse 25? Okay, hey, are you ready to be impressed? I'm going to give you a statement. You're going to be amazed. Lying is wrong. Aren't you glad you came tonight? So I'm going to put off lying. What am I to put on? Truth. Truth. Because it's right. Christ. That's what Christ did, told the truth. So, hey, come on, people. Stop, stop, stop protecting yourself with lies and start telling the truth. Whoa, whoa, whoa. But that's not the end of the verse. Look at what he says. Look at the reason why. Look at the heart renovation that God wants to do in you. For, he says, we are members one of another. In other words, why is it? What's the heart of Christ of why I should tell the truth? And the answer is because I recognize that I'm supposed to care for you. We're members one of another. I'm supposed to care for you as much and more than I care for myself. And I'm not going to lie to you, not if I love you. Friends, People who love each other don't lie to each other. You, 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 don't, you, you can't, and you don't, for what, for what it's worth. Somebody says, well, Tim, can't you, for someone you love, lie on their behalf? No, no, you don't. Lying is always selfish. If I lie for someone else, I'm not actually lying for them. I'm lying so that they will still like me. So it's about me. Truth, truth is what friends share. What love shares. So that's the heart renovation. In other words, God, God is not interested in you coming to the place where you're willing to tell the truth because it's right to do. He's wanting to bring you to the place where you so love other people that there's no way you're going to lie to them, for them, or about them. I love you that much. Well, that's Christ. Let me show you one other one quickly. If you're listening well. Thank you for your kind attention. This one is the one that puts a dagger in my soul. Rather, 
it shows me that there's some need for renovation still. Look at verse number 28. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Okay, so according to verse number 28, what are we to put off? Hey, stealing? It's bad. Don't do it. What are we to put on? Labor. Okay, so let me tell you how I would write this verse if God had asked me to. I would say, look, don't steal to get the things that you want. Work to get the things that you want. I mean, in today's time, we need people who are willing to work. Goodness, people. Don't steal to get what you want. Work to get what you want. Sound good? Is that what it says? Why am I supposed to work? What's the heart reno? What's the heart renovation? I'm supposed to not steal. That's wrong. I'm supposed to put on labor, the thing which is good. Why? So that I may have to... Okay, now just think for a second. Is that the reason why you work? Where you say, Brother Tim, you said this was not going to be a weight on me. You said this was glorious. And all of a sudden, I feel guilty. Okay, except for the fact that in this process of sanctification, I'm just, what I'm doing is I'm presenting to you, look at what God wants to do in you. He wants to bring you, if you will let him, invite him, allow him, if you will submit and surrender to him, he will bring you to the place that your heart so cares about other people that you're even willing to labor with your hands so that you can have to give. I mean, isn't that what Christ did? He came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. The work that Christ did, was it ever for his own benefit? He wouldn't even turn rocks into bread when he had the power to do so and he was starving. He was not about himself. That's what God wants to do. So that I don't want, for those of you who have been saved for years, don't be satisfied with the fact that you have the self-discipline to make choices that are not involved in gross sin. And those of you who are newly saved, I want you to know that what God wants to do is to bring you to the place that your heart is like Christ and your love is for other people to the degree that of course you're going to tell them the truth. And of course you're going to speak kindly. And of course you're going to be a giver. And of course others are going to see the love of Christ through you because you have the very heart of Christ in you. So then practically speaking, what do we do as we close? What, 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 what's your response? Well, the response is, for those of you who have been justified, for those who have been justified, declared by God to be righteous, understand and I would come to God and say, God, thank you for the justification. God, I want the process of sanctification. Right now, I'm scared of having a heart, and this is legitimate. I'm scared of having a heart that so loves other people that I'm willing to work in order to give because I still feel that little bit of selfishness in me that says, but I need to make sure I have enough first. But that wasn't Christ. So obviously, Lord, there's some renovation that needs to happen. And I would ask, and I would make it a habit if, just write down somewhere so that you, on a regular basis, in sincerity, ask, Holy Spirit, would you please renovate? As I'm reading the scriptures, would you please take it, and would you so renovate my heart that I begin to love like Christ loved? 
I'm telling you, it'd be glorious not, not to deal with a heart that desires to lash out at my children when they frustrate me, but that I so love them that my choice is always to, to train and help because I care about them, not because I care about me or how other people see me, but I care about them. But that's the heart of Christ and Christ only. But that's what God will and wants to do. So ask. Ask, allow, invite, surrender. And then lastly, I would say this. Anytime you're in the midst of temptation, when you feel the temptation, it's your responsibility. No, God will, with the temptation, make a way to escape. So at the time of the temptation, there's always an exit ramp. When the temptation comes, okay, I'm not going to take that. I'm going to take the exit ramp. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm going to do what's right. But I would just breathe a prayer. When you feel the frustration rising, when you feel the anger rising, when somebody cuts you off and you feel it, then in that moment, not just, I need to do what's right, but in that moment, it's, Spirit of God, would you please renovate my heart? Cause me to have the heart of Christ. Do you think that's a prayer God will answer? I mean, if it's his predetermined will. Do you think he'll answer that, question, that request? Yeah. Yeah. What a great God. What a great God we serve that justifies us and gives us the power and sanctification. Hmm. Father, I thank you. Thank you for who you are and thank you for what you have provided in justification through your son and what you, through your spirit, have provided in sanctification. Ah, that you would cause us to have the heart of Christ and that is our desire as he only did and always did those things that were of you. That's what we want to be and that's what I want to desire. Uh, we are sick of self and we are sick of um, being led by our flesh. We want to be led by your spirit and have the heart of your son. So, Father, I pray that you'd please help us as we request now in this next few moments. Help us. Help us, please. In Jesus' name.